Also, why is Brett wearing his Skip Bayless outfit? Jeez. And with that, welcome in to the Three and Out podcast. I am your host, Ben Pope, alongside Brett Shavs and Mike Cicchetti. I guess it must be Friday because uh, I don't lose in these shoes. Skip is on the bottom half of me right over here, Brett Shavs, uh, with Mike Cicchetti in a new location. I don't know if he's in his living room or whatever, dog, but kitchen. I like it very much. Oh, kitchen. Very nice. Very I, I nice. I kind of look like Michael Jackson with this light on me right now, but. <laughs> hey, is that that can't be a bad thing? Uh, you know, the children would disagree. Oh, why? <laughs> All right. Well, we had yet another interesting week of football. Um, I guess uh, week five has come and gone, and we have some storylines to talk about. And I don't know why I'm starting with this one, but we are. Uh, Hey, we're talking about the Broncos again. Oh, we're all so excited for that. Um, No one ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know how all the Thursday night games are usually like atrocious and everything. This was one preseason that I circled Colts Broncos. We had talked about it a little bit last week as kind of a prove it game for both these squads. Well, they both proved something uh, that they are both really bad at playing offense in the NFL. A uh, really ugly game, to be honest with you, watching uh, a 12 to 9 final in overtime for the Colts taking the victory. Uh, Russell Wilson bringing it down to the last drive, uh, missing a key fourth down conversion, uh, looking in the direction of Cortland Sutton instead of KJ Hamler. Uh, we'll say that Richard Sherman was not a big fan of that in the post game, uh, comparing that to the Super Bowl. Uh, which was so great to see. I uh, love love Richard Sherman. And then we're going to talk about their divisional opponents as well in the Vegas Raiders, who played just a few nights ago on Monday against the uh, reigning uh, division champs, Kansas City Chiefs. And they played phenomenal compared to what they usually do against Kansas City, except they blew it in the fourth quarter. Uh, they blew a 17-0 lead to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And on a key fourth down conversion in the fourth quarter, they were not able to convert a deep pass to Devontae Adams because he ran into Hunter Renfro. Uh, (laughs) Adams is really upset about that. He shoved the camera guy, yada, yada, yada. He might get arrested. That's not what we're talking about, though. Uh, Mike's face. Um, So I guess where I'm going with this little soliloquy, both really bad losses for these two teams in the AFC West where we thought they both be decent competitors. They have really underwhelmed so far this season, but talking specifically about their matchups in week five, who do you think had the more demoralizing loss? Would that be the Raiders or the Broncos? We'll go to, we'll go to our resident Broncos expert, uh, Brett first. Well, I think it's no question. It's the Broncos. Zero, zero doubts. Um, if anything, I think even though the Raiders lost, I think it's a sense of confidence and a sense of relief that you now know you have that ability. You can compete with top-level teams like Kansas City. Yes, it's a loss. A loss is a loss. But if you're Denver and you don't even score a touchdown in almost five full quarters against the Indianapolis Colts, that is screaming uh-oh to me. No bueno. Um, the run game looked good. Uh, Mike Boone and Melvin Gordon ran some efficient football. 
but it all came down to what Nathaniel Hackett could brew up with Russell Wilson. And that flat out the past game just was a mess, hot mess, discombobulated. A um, lot of different adjectives you can describe the negative play for the offense, but um, I think this is going to definitely hurt their confidence going forward. And it's going to be interesting to see how they carry on their morale going up against the chargers on Monday. Uh, I disagree. I think the more demoralizing loss is the um, uh, the Raiders. You said that it they got some confidence because they know they can compete. They haven't lost a game over six points this year. They're one and four, right? They got their first win uh, last week against Denver. What's up? They're this year's Vikings. Just for a comp, because the Vikings lost like so many one score games last year. Yeah, yeah. Didn't want to interrupt, but. Yeah. But well, that's the thing because you're up seventeen nothing over the Chiefs, who is a Super Bowl one of the Super Bowl favorites, and you figure you have this game in hand and you just blow it. I I just think they got a lot of confidence last week in beating Denver, even though Denver has been, you know, uh, I mean, both of these teams have been pretty disappointing thus far. But the Raiders, they get their one against Denver. They're up seventeen zero, looking like they're going to get their second win in a row and against another divisional opponent, and, and they lose it. Uh, whereas the Broncos, this is nothing new to them. They're used to this. Although they have a better record, they're just playing – they're playing like a like a garbage team. They're like, playing like an 0-5 football team. They are. Like, I would take the 1-4 and four Raiders any day over the Broncos. Uh, they, just, they just look bad. But, I mean, both of those losses are, are you know – but I don't know. It's a division where you don't want to fall behind, and they are falling behind. Yeah, it's tough. I would say that I, I'm in agreement with Mike here. I think the worst loss is for the Raiders, and I think it's because they finally got out to a lead against Chiefs, the Chiefs and Mahomes, where Mahomes always dominates the Raiders. I believe he only has one loss in eight games against the Raiders in his career. He's averaging like – close to three touchdowns a game against them, if not more. He's been phenomenal against them, and they kept him in check pretty well through the first quarter and a little bit more. And they had a 17-point lead, like I mentioned. That is nothing to scoff at there, and they blew it. And They had, uh, honestly, a really good opportunity to uh, take the lead once again. There was a Decision by Josh McDaniels to go for two points to try and take the lead instead of tying the game. That ended up losing them the game. And then the fourth uh, the fourth and one that they tried passing on, which Hunter Renfro ran into Devontae Adams. I couldn't even tell you if Adams was going to catch that ball just because Carr was thrown off his back foot. I know he did it twice previously during the night, but I don't know if lightning strikes three times there for Adams and Carr. But, yeah, I think for the Raiders, moving down to one and four, it makes their chances of making the playoffs almost impossible, just to be blatantly honest, where I do think the Broncos, even though it was a really ugly game to watch and it was just really bad football, I don't think we'll see a game worse from Russell Wilson this season. And I think it's just going up from here. Even though it was something bad to see you saw after the game, and it came out the next day as well that Russ was dealing with a shoulder injury that he's kind of working through right now. So at least there's some reason to why he has been playing the way that he has. 
So I think there's a little bit of optimism if you're Denver, but with Vegas, you're moving to one and four, another just really bad loss against Kansas City, yet you have nothing going for you right now. And you're in going into the bye, kind of just out of it, to be honest. And now the situation with Adams, which is a whole another thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. But yep. we can move on. Uh, we can go to maybe a little bit more of a positive situation and still riding with the rush. I think it's glad that uh, you're looking like Skip Bayless down there because we are talking about your boy Cooper Rush and the 4-0 record he has as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. They took down the Los Angeles Rams this weekend, honestly, in a kind of ugly game on both sides of the ball, aside from a Tony Pollard rush that pretty much capped the game for the Dallas offense. There wasn't really much going on offense for either side. There was a Cooper Cup, a 75-yard touchdown that kind of kept the Rams in the ball game for a little bit, but this was a clinic by the Dallas defense, absolutely obliterating uh, the Rams on both sides of the ball. Now with Dallas, they're going into a matchup this week against Philadelphia. There is consideration that Dak Prescott could be starting, but it looks like Cooper Rush will probably be getting the start. There's no clarification thus far, but I would assume that they're leaning towards Rush. But with the way that Dallas has been playing so far, they've taken down the Rams. They've taken down some good opponents with Cincinnati in there as well. How high do we think that Dallas's ceiling is? when Dak finally does return to the starting quarterback role? Um, When you look at it as a perspective, I think it's realistically about the same. Um, I think with the ability of having Cooper Rush in there, it sort of allows you to run the ball more efficiently and to use Elliott and Pollard in a more workload and bullish way. When you have Dak Prescott in there, you're sort of opening the playbook and seeing what your receivers have. Now that everybody's fully healthy, it could be a little bit different than what we saw week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think with Cooper Rush in the offense, you're seeing a lot more of the run game, a lot more of efficient and positive yardage. Um, and I think if you use either quarterback, I think your ceiling's about the same. Um, but I think it's all about riding the hot hand right now. And I think right now you have to go with Cooper Rush. They actually announced it this morning that Cooper Rush is going to start against Philadelphia. Um, and Dak Prescott was going to sit down another week. But, yeah, I think it's just all about riding the hot hand, and I think your quarterback is going to give you one of, if not the same, ceiling. I believe that Dak Prescott is kind of getting insulted. I think that people forget how good that Dak Prescott can be. And when he comes back, uh, like you said, the playbook opens up. I just think the offense uh, explodes. I like the point you made, though, with the efficient run game with Cooper Russian, because the stats he's putting up isn't anything impressive. He's just doing what he needs to do. Kind of reminds me of um, Jimmy G-esque in that uh, game manager way, where he doesn't do a ton, but they're winning games. So, you know, but um, when when Dak Prescott is healthy, he he will start for them. They're not going to, uh, you know, sit him to play Cooper Rush. Um, and how high is their ceiling? The way their defense is playing, I think they're a S- Super Bowl contender. 
No, mm, that that's where we stop. Uh uh-uh. uh. I oh, let me let me break it down for you, right? Okay. I'm gonna break down. I'm gonna break down the NFC for you real quick. Okay. The teams I trust in the NFC. 49ers, end of list. Right? Who else do you trust over the 49ers right now? To make it long term. Nope. I'm I'm taking the the 49ers over them long term. Who else are you taking long term? I trust the 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings. That's all I trust. And that's my point. Maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, if they can if they can string together a seven and zero run, then they start to prove something. I think I still think there's uh, some cap, for the lack of a better term, going around with Philly. But I only trust the Vikings and the 49ers right now. Well, personally, I the 49ers are, and I kind of find it hard to trust them at this point because of the, all their injuries. But yeah, what I'm what, so weird. That's the point I'm trying to make is Dak Prescott comes back and plays at that high level that we know he can play at. You know what I'm saying? I think they could beat any team. But then again, they are the Dallas Cowboys, and we know they have a history of, you know. But if you if you want to look at their ceiling, I believe that they are a Super Bowl, if not Super Bowl contender, their NFC Championship caliber team, no question. No question. The way the way their defense is playing is insane. They're the only defense in the league through the first five games who hasn't given up multiple touchdowns in any of these games. I think that says something. Yeah, I would say that Dallas, at the very least, is a top 10 team right now. The way that they are playing in the NFL, I think that they've clearly earned that, unlike the um, – honestly, I'll – say right now unlike the vikings i think that they are well earned at four and one i think the vikings are actually kind of a fraudulent four and one team they've almost blown three consecutive games that they won to Mm -hmm. the bears the lions and the saints they won all those games but they made unimpressive offenses look okay i know the lions were leading the league in scoring before they got demolished in new england uh this past weekend but still um with Dallas, though, with Dak coming back, and I agree with you, Mike, that I think I think all the narrative stuff with Cooper Rush is like getting way out of hand. I understand yep. that he's a he's a backup that's been four and right? But I feel like I covered this when I talked about them being similar to San Francisco, and like they can handle working with a sub optimal quarterback just because I think their system and their defense works really well to support a quarterback that is limited in the passing game. But with Dak coming back, I, so I get where you're coming from. I think that the Niners are, the Niners are one of the favorites, I would say in the NFC right now, personally, myself, I know they haven't looked great thus far this season, but I would still have the Bucks in a conversation where I still think they are one of the teams to be in the NFC but I think you guys covered it with the Eagles, with the 49ers, and then I think the Cowboys are right there as well. I think those four teams, even though they've all had their issues at some point this season, maybe with the exception of Philadelphia, I think I group with the Tampa, San Francisco, and Dallas. I kind of group those three teams together where once they start, and this kind of sounds weird because I'm grouping Tom Brady with Jimmy Garoppolo and Dak slash Cooper Rush, but once their quarterbacks start playing – 
like a little bit better and you have solidification with Dak back in Dallas, I think those three teams are pretty solid to be NFC championship level teams, if not Super Bowl contenders, just because of the level of play in the NFC, which has been hot garbage, to be honest with you. They, yeah. they have been unimpressive to me. But yeah, Dallas has been really impressive. Talking about impressive, it, it pains me, but I'm happy to say it either way. Even Mike McDaniel can't cool down the hand of Zach Wilson and the New York Jets, the New Jersey Jets. Oh, yeah. A 40-burger over a really solid defense in Miami, albeit they were starting Skylar Thompson, who? Okay. Starting <laughs> Skylar Thompson uh, this past week. Shout-out to Mike McDaniel keeping it a one-score game into the fourth quarter, but still, Zach Wilson balled. The run game balled. The cornerback room and DJ Reed and Sauce, they have been yeah. balling. And then another AFC East team that I want to shout out here for balling this past weekend. Hey, Zappy, man. The New England Patriots shutting out the Detroit Lions, the uh, fun Detroit Lions without DeAndre Swift, but they've still been balling. They had Amon Ross St. Brown back. Completely shut them down with the Pat Patriot logo on the center of the field this past weekend. Uh, people loved that, loved the uniforms, loved how they played. You saw big Ramondre Stevenson have a career game with over 150, 160 rushing yards. Zappy threw another uh, touchdown. The defense was absolutely phenomenal with a touchdown returned by Kyle Duggar. Jack Jones continues to ball. So I want to take a look at the, these two teams who have been kind of slipping under the radar just because they haven't been performing uh, to the level of the king of the East in Buffalo and the unfortunate fallen sun in the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. But uh, just in comparison to each other, uh, who do you think has been the more, uh, I guess, which AFC East riser is uh, the team that you have more confidence in uh, going the rest of the season? Is it the Patriots or is it the Jets? I'll start off with Mike. Oh, God. I, see, I think this is really tough. And see, here's my, no, it ain't. It's easy. Well, <clears throat> this is my reasoning. Well, I have my answer. Um, but here's my thing, right? I believe that the Jets, they have a much higher ceiling uh, depth-wise and on paper wise compared to the Patriots, but the Patriots, I believe they have a higher floor just in the sense that they play safe. Um, Zappy's been Mac Jones last year. Cause he's been playing better than Mac this year. Um, but even Mac, he, he's a safe quarterback. He doesn't make a lot of um, stupid decisions with the ball. And you know, that defense is well coached um, who I have more confidence in. So, confidence in though are you a risk taker mike that's pretty much what you're telling us right now well i gotta stick with the guys who i had confidence in before the season that's jets 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 they i said before this season i was cautiously optimistic about the jets um i think i had them around seven i think i had them at seven wins a lot of young talent on their team, but I said if that young talent can play up to the level, the sky's the limit for them. And that young talent is really doing their job. 
um, I forget which NFL writer I'm blanking on his name. I forget who it was, but he um, made an article of the top 25 rookies in the first month and four of the Jets rookies made the top 10, uh, which says something you have got <laughs> offensively sauce uh, Jermaine Johnson and then uh, co uh, offensive rookie of the year odds guy, uh, Brees Hall, who had a game for himself this past week. Um, and Zach Wilson, exactly how I thought he would be, especially in um, first game back against Pittsburgh, the fourth quarter, he looked incredible. Um, in this game, he was balling. So uh, I'm going to Jets, man. Well, I said this one was easy. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. It's a clean sweep. Um, PFF put this out this past week. The Jets are second in total yards per game per reception. They're actually, I believe, I think it was either 15 or 15.3 like yards per reception. Like it's it's absurd. Like the amount of total offense that not only Zach Wilson, but Joel Flacco was able to create. She's before Zach Wilson was, was able garbage to time, bro. You know it. Huh? That was in garbage time. Don't even Oh, I know. Don't even bring up the man. I had to shout out footsteps. But anywho, um, the Jets have been phenomenal offensively. <laughs> this is a, a whole new system that we've never really seen in the last like decade from the Jets, despite from that one anomaly year from Mark Sanchez. But I think this is going to be a team going forward where you're going to have to think of them as – either an underdog or the favorite in a lot of these games. I think Robert Salas put them in a position where they have a system, they can play consistently, and these players have confidence to go out every single day. I think with New England, they play safe, but sometimes that safety can get them in trouble and falling behind a little bit early, especially if Zappi's going to stay as the quarterback and Matt continues to have injury funnels. Um, but I think the Jets are definitely somebody to watch out for, and I've got a ton of confidence in them going forward. Yeah, I honestly, maybe this is a surprise here, but if not for one factor, I probably would be going with the Patriots here. I think that Mac Jones coming back under center and with the emergence of Ramondre Stevenson, I know Damian Harris is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Kobe Myers coming back, who by the way is, honestly, honestly, God might be one of the most underrated receivers in the league the importance he has to the Patriots receiving core just with how awful Nelson Aguilar and inconsistency is of Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne. The importance of Myers has been unbelievable. The emergence of Jack Jones, the just impact that the Patriots defense has shown uh, mm. losing a few pieces as well. But yeah, I'm going with the Jets because I was super impressed with their run game this past week. And I know the uh, story is Brees Hall and the kind of emergency he had close to 100 scrimmage yards on both sides of the ball. Uh, had close to three touchdowns in this game. He was stopped at the one twice and almost got stopped a third time, but was ruled in for a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. But man, Michael Carter as well, just the efficiency that they've shown. Uh, Michael Carter had two touchdowns as well. And that really boosted what they were able to do against Miami this weekend. Um, I know that Skylar Thompson was competing against them, so they really didn't have much urgency to throw the football. So Zach Wilson was playing it pretty safe, only 14 for 21 in his attempts, uh, but still a very solid completion rate. Their defense has been really solid as well. I know that their 
uh, been allowing a decent amount on the run game. They faced some really good uh, rushing opponents as well with guys like Nick Chubb and Najee Harris. But I honestly have a lot of confidence in what the Jets are able to do on both sides of the ball. I think Robert Sala has been doing a solid job uh, well enough to keep this football football team in games. And I'm honestly looking to see what they're able to do when the game script demands a more pass-heavy approach. We saw that at the end of the fourth quarter against the Steelers where <laughs> Zach Wilson was – what are you giggling about? <laughs> I'm looking at your Skip Bay. Bro, looks like Skip Bayless. I know it, dude. I don't know why I just thought of that, but it's funny. With his arms crossed, too. Can't lose me shoes. Drip Bayless. Who's right, Uncle Shea? Nah. Um, but, yeah – I just want to see a game script that demands Zach Wilson to just pass the ball more. I know we saw a lot of that in the fourth quarter against the Steelers where he only made one incompletion in the entire quarter and kind of led that uh, comeback for the Jets. But, yeah, I just kind of want to see that. I think it will honestly be put in that situation uh, coming up this weekend against Green Bay. But we will see. Um, but, yeah, the Jets, man, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Moving on. We have I – I hate talking about this because <laughs> it's too close It's too close to my heart. Oh, the Tennessee Titans, man. Oh, boy. They have had a renaissance of sorts. They are kind of been under the radar. No one's – I don't think we've talked about them very much here on the pod. Um, so shout out to the Titans. Um, they moved – Two, three, and two this past weekend had a very uh, too close for comfort <laughs> victory against the Washington Commanders, actually giving Carson Carson Wentz a chance to win the game. And of course, he threw a game ending interception as he does. But with the Titans, they came off of two really big losses to begin the season one in a field goal missing attempt against the Giants, where they uh, blue week one and then they absolutely got their uh barn doors blown off against the buffalo bills uh all of the steelers uh during week two but subtly one against the raiders week three one against the colts in week four and another close victory against the commanders this week all one score victories but they are still winning football games and now they are the lead dog in the afc south so i guess the question here and we'll start off with brett here overall should the Titans be getting more credit than they have previously? I think with just the script of this season, I'm going to say no. Um, I give them a ton of credit for what they've been able to accomplish through five weeks. It's not easy working with the roster that they have, especially right now and some of the injuries they've been um, put up against um, to begin this season. But I think just going forward, I don't have too much confidence in the Titans, um, but I think right now it's safe to say you can give them some credit. Titans deserve a ton of credit. Nobody talks about them. They're quietly sitting at the top of the AFC South. And honestly, if I'm being 100% honest right now, I trust them the most in that division at this point. They have the experience over the Jags um, and the Colts I can't trust at this point. Um, but no, they deserve a ton of credit. They're near the bottom uh, ranked in both offense and defense. But 
they are over 500 and they don't really have a standout offensively. Derrick Henry averaging under, I know he's under 100 yards a game. Not sure exactly what he is averaging. And I know they don't really have Robert Woods, I believe, as their leading receiver. But even he he isn't doing much. Um, but, I mean, they're getting it done. So they do deserve a lot of credit injury-wise um, on the O-line too. Taylor Lewan, I believe he's out for the year. I think that right there in itself should, you know, make you respect them more, make them uh, earn your – basically, you got to give them more credit. Um, with those injuries they're going through, they're a um, they're tough to tough to gauge, really, because you got to see how they you know go throughout the year. Ben's fiddling with the mic. Like I, no, I Jackson back I in the day. Was, I I messed with my hand and I did like knock both my headphones out. Oh. Go ahead. Um, but no, I mean that's basically it. They deserve they deserve a ton of credit. We'll see if they can carry it through, but. I, I mean, they're winning football games. Not, that's what they know how to do. Um, I've I've been saying this. I think their defense is underrated. I like their secondary. I love Christian Fulton, but yeah, Jeffrey Simmons. He's a dog on the D line. So yeah, I mean, give them give them their props. You got to. Yeah, I mean, I was super harsh on Tennessee. I thought they'd be one of more disappointing teams. Well, especially dropping from the number one seed. So. Yeah. I think they have been a little bit disappointing, even though they've put up a three and two record, but I will give them credit for sure. And I think I want to give credit to three guys particularly, and I don't think it's too difficult to find out who that is. That's definitely the head coach in Mike Frabel. Mike Frabel is probably the biggest reason that they are in the position that they are. He is still one of the best head coaches in the NFL. I understand that uh, he doesn't have probably the flashy nature that a bunch of the newer head coaches have, a la Sean McVay or even my boy Mike McDaniel. But I think he's got a – I don't want to say it, but I will – a Belichickian style to the way that he works on a football game, whereas I think that he grinds out games more so. He's not looking to embarrass the opponent, but he knows how to take advantage of the – uh, mistakes that are given to him. I think it, uh, he is a very smart head coach and he's pretty much taken every opportunity that he's been able to this season on both sides of the ball. Derrick Henry is the second guy. Derrick Henry has kind of had a resurgence these past co- couple weeks. He's had, I believe, a touchdown in four consecutive games. Now, uh, three of those four, he got over 100 r- rushing yards. So mm-hmm. he's been really good. He had two touchdowns this past week against the Commanders. He's been getting into the receiving game now, which is so huge because, like you mentioned, only Robert Woods in the receiving room that's been consistent. Traylon Burks just got put on the IR. So you've got Nick Westbrook-Akina. You've got the uh, rookie in – oh, my goodness. Oh, dang. What is his name? White guy, white guy, white guy. Uh, Phillips. it's not Alec Pierce. It's it's Kyle Phillips. Sorry. is his name Cameron Smith? I feel like his first name's Cameron. No, it's it's Kyle Phillips. Mike had it. Oh. I, I keep thinking of Alec Pierce because he was on the NSC waiver wires everywhere. But regardless, Derrick Henry's been phenomenal. He's kind of gotten his form back. And him being involved in the receiving game, along with Drontrell Hilliard, being a decent option for my third guy, who is Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill deserves some respect. And I know. 
he he hasn't been great this season. He's like 22nd in QBR on the season. He's been fine. But I'll say this, and tell me if you disagree here, but between him, Trevor Lawrence, and Matt Ryan, I think he's got the best chance of not losing you a football game in the regards of Trevor Lawrence in the past two weeks has, I think, like seven turnovers. Matt it's Ryan bad. has been awful with interceptions this year. Ryan Tannehill is not going to do that to you when you've got the ball in the red zone. He's not going to be throwing a game-ending pick. I, I get he did it against the Bengals. I get it. I get he did that to end their season last year. Three but, of them. Well, the ball went off Westbrook Akeen's hand, but we won't talk about that because dog on Ryan Tannehill. But honestly, like he's been keeping them in ball games. I, I honestly trust him to not, not pull a Carson Wentz and <laughs> turn the ball over when the game uh, desires you to score most. So. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that's not ridiculous to say because no. he he's in that he's in that Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, Jimmy G, Derek Carr is kind of like the height of it. That game manager mold. Um, see, see, it hurts me because I know if he had AJ still, he wouldn't be in that mold. But it's fine. I'll yeah. take it. Well, if you know, you gotta take the you gotta take the good with the bad because if uh, AJ was still there, we wouldn't have AJ in Philly. Well, I'm, I'm crying on the inside because we, would, well, we, we wouldn't have Jalen Hurts on pace for 14 passing touchdowns on the season. Oh, yeah, the MVP. Oh, the MVP, we'll get, in, we'll get into that later. Um, but, yeah, I just want to give flowers to Ryan Tannehill because he deserves it. Yeah, they've been they've been solid. They've been solid. And they've won their last three, right? Didn't they start 0-2? Correct. They won three in a row. And talking about giving your flowers to someone, it's about the New York Giants. They went over, they went across the seas against my boy Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. They beat them in a comeback victory in the fourth quarter. I think just a really, really weird game for Aaron Rodgers. Starts out like 17 to 3 lead, very similar to what we talked about with the Raiders and the Chiefs. And then just absolutely nothing on offense in the second half of the game for the Packers. Only put up two two points because of the given safety that the Giants gave them just so they wouldn't be able to uh, get into field goal range at the end of the game. Had a opportunity to take the lead once again. And they were on like the four or five yard line. Two throws batted up on the line by Aaron Rodgers. And the Giants are able to pull through even with Saquon Barkley missing a quarter. He's able to come back Mm -hmm. and score the game-winning touchdown. So the Giants move up to 4-1, and and the Packers fall behind the Vikings. They are now second in the division at 3-2. and But what do we think is the bigger story, the Giants moving up to 4-1 and now or the ugly way uh, that the Packers lost in a very uninspiring way? So let me start like this. I – uh, got up in the score. The score at that point was what'd you say, 17 to 3? It was right about was, that, yeah. I know, yeah, it was something like that. So, so right, let's see, see what this game is going. And I had a weird feeling all week. Um, I, I was talking to Jay Hill the night before, uh, dear friend shout Jay, out Hill. Jay Hill. Shout out Jay Hill. And I said to him, I go, I have a feeling the Giants are going to win tomorrow. He said, No way. I said, I don't know why. 
Um, same feeling I felt about Miami beating Baltimore last season. Um, anyways, um, wake up, they're 17 of the turn the game on, whatever. I, I fall asleep, right, on the couch. I wake up, and they're up by like a touchdown with five minutes left in the game, the Giants. And I, I'm like, huh? I said, you better hold on to this win. And, um, it, yeah, and they did. Um, I think this says a lot more about the Giants right now. New coach, Coach Dable, who has been great for them. Love him. Four and one. Um, I don't know if I would, you referred to who? Uh, the Vikings as a fraudulent four and one, I believe. A little bit. I don't know how I would describe the Giants team. Because although they are four and one, they're still the Giants. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like I do, I do. You can't, you can't try. But as long as they have Saquon, you can't, you can't really go against them because Saquon has been balling. I know we just talked about the Titans. Are they like giving off the same vibes? No, no, I think it's similar. It is, but I say no because the Titans have been good for the past few seasons. That's why I'm kind of like, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm kind of like leaning it on the Giants right now because the the Giants have been up. The only reason I throw it out there is I know we're like feeling really good with Brian Dable. He's been doing a phenomenal job. I think he's, we didn't mention him too. I don't know if we mentioned him last week when we were talking about uh, Coach of the Year candidates thus far, but he's definitely in the running. And their defense has been really solid. They've been missing a couple yeah. of key guys. I know Aziz had missed a couple games. Mm-hmm. They've had absolutely no weapons. So maybe maybe the comparison has stretched out a little bit. Maybe they're like the Diet Coke Titans. <laughs> the Diet Coke Titans. I like yeah. that. Okay. But that- go ahead, Mike. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, at this rate, if Saquon keeps on this pace, he's averaging, what, like 140 scrimmage yards a game? <coughs> you That's know? Mr. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this is a lot about the Giants, and I feel like most people have been talking about the Giants being 4-1 and one over Green Bay falling to 3-2, and two, um, even though Green Bay hasn't looked super, you know, they have them missing missing piece and Devontae Adams. He's over there shoving cameramen as we speak. Um, but their defense still playing at a high level. Um, so they know they can fall back on them. Um, Beast, who does it say more about? I think they're I think you kind of just hit the the uh hammer on the nail. I think at this point, I I <laughs> What? What's so fun? I don't know. I just saw bed laugh. <laughs> Is it because I look like Skip trying to make a take? No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> no, y- you hit the nail on the head. You said hit the hammer on the nail. Who gives a crap? <laughs> well, Moving to on. It, to make it sound proper. We get the point. We get the point. We get the point. He said it a couple weeks ago and I let it slide, but... He hit the point square moving forward. <laughs> I think at this point, I don't know if there's much comparison or I don't want to say expectation for the Giants 
because they're just rolling with a hot hand right now. Yeah. I think Brian Dable's just put them in a position where they just have enough confidence to win football games. He, Mike mentioned it perfectly. The fact that Saquon Barkley's healthy and he's balling just gives them that confidence to be efficient, let the defense do their thing, and just be themselves. I think the last few years they've just had a funk where they don't know how to act on offense or defense. And they Jake have- just got um, picked up by the Saints. Continue. Who did? J- J- Jake Funk. She's the and only he- white running back in the league. That's a lie. Shout out Rex Burkhead. Continue. Wow. Shout out Christian McCaffrey. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Big, continue. Big um, continue. Big continue. <laughs> anyway, um, I just think the Giants are just in a confident position right now and I think this Packers win is definitely going to say a lot about who they are as a football team. And if they're able to string together maybe a couple more wins in this division, I think they put themselves in a position to be a wild card team in the playoffs. Um, It's going to take a lot more to prove to get to that point, but I think they're on the right track to do so. Oh, they make the playoffs Saquon's MVP. Well, maybe not. I think it's – I wouldn't say yes and I wouldn't say no. I think it's a possibility. I think he's he'd be deserving of votes. I think he deserves votes already as offensive player of the year. Oh, he oh, is yeah. no Gava. He is clear. Oh boy, clear. Oh boy, the only the only one that comes close is Jacoby. Ma- Come on, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love that. Um, for me, I think it's the Packers' loss that stands out to me more. Uh, Green Bay. Barely rushed the football this weekend, which is uh, egregious to say the least. I thought mm-hmm. this was going to be a run-heavy game. You saw 19 carries combined between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon basically was not on the field; he was on the field like 20, 30 percent of the time. That should not be happening when he's arguably your second best playmaker behind Aaron Jones, who also got very little run. So, Matt, Pat- uh, I almost said Matt Patricia. You- maybe coaching like Matt Patricia this weekend, dog. Matt LaFleur talked about that he was kind of giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers just to try and pass the game as much as often. He felt like that was game flow. But then he literally corrected himself, like, either yesterday or this morning, saying, oh, yeah, we need to run the football, like, way more. So I don't know what the coaching decisions there were to lean into the pass this past weekend because it seemed like, uh, a good description of it was that Aaron Rodgers was trying to play hero ball when he was already ahead in the game. Um, the Giants literally have no weapons aside from Saquon, and you let them come back mm-hmm. and make them look like a more confident offense than you guys did. I know the Devontae Adams thing is getting too bent out of proportion. If you're Aaron Rodgers and you are truly like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, which I thought you were, and I probably still think you are, but I'm losing hope right now, you should be able to ball with whoever yeah. you've got. Like, literally, I understand that Mahomes still has Kelsey and everything, and we saw that he literally only looked at him in the red zone. But he's been able to make it work with guys like MBS and Juju and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like, you are one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen, talent-wise, and maybe just in general. You should be able to make it work regardless. And the fact that you are losing your losing your football team games – is just egregious. I know that the Packers defense also underwhelmed this weekend, and I'm not going to let them go under the bus. 
but I think the focus should be on Rodgers and just how honestly disappointing he has been, even though the counting numbers aren't that bad for him. Just I, I need to see more from this guy. And um, yeah, the pack Packers, man, I thought they were going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. They're barely looking like they can get a playoff spot right now, if so. But we will go from one negative piece with the Packers to, I guess, some positive news. I, I depends on what you're feeling down there in Hooday Land in Carolina. Uh, Matt Rule uh, has been fired from. I don't know why I said Hooday. I was just gonna say <laughs> he he pounded. Oh, keep pounding! Sorry, keep pounding, sand dog. At the rate they're going. All right, so from one negative story with the Packers to, I guess, a positive one. Uh, Carolina fans, you can finally rejoice. Uh, the Panthers have let go of head coach Matt Rule out of his – he got a seven-year contract. My God. Um, but, yeah, they finally let go of coach Matt Rule, who is very much underwhelmed in his two-plus seasons with Carolina. They are looking to move on. And also coming off their game this past weekend against the Niners, where they got absolutely demolished, uh, Baker Mayfield said he hurt his ankle a tiny bit and now <laughs> is considering going on IR. Uh, man, how the mighty have fallen, a.k.a. the mighty that won one playoff game and thought they were uh, the best. But with the Carolina Panthers, they are in honestly a very interesting situation right now. They're going to be having a drunk coach. It looks like P.J. Walker is going to be getting a couple starts at the very least in the coming games. Post-Matt Rule, post-the-firing here, what should Carolina's next step be? Is it evaluating their talent? Is it trying to make a fire sale? What do we think? I think it's nothing. I think you stick with what you have right now and see what you got. Um, I don't think Carolina's in a position right now where you need to fire sale. You've got some weapons in your offense right now who I think you can trust, obviously. McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I don't think you need to flash fire sale these guys and sort of tank your entire season. I understand that you just fired your head coach and your quarterback's going on IR. But at least give your team some confidence going into the offseason. If you want to fire sale then, by all means, go for it. But I think you have a little too much talent on the offensive end right now as far as playmakers where if you just trade everything now, you're not going to give any confidence to guys like McCaffrey or guys on the defensive end like J.C. Horn. I, I just – I would ride it out and just see where it plays. I think you have a decent enough interim head coach in Steve Wilkes who's competent in running the football team. He's obviously got some head coaching experience in Arizona. Um, but Wasn't I don't see Josh Rosen. He had Josh Rosen for a year, got fired. Josh Rosen got cut, and Kyla Murray came in. Um, that was a one-year forget-it year in Arizona. Um, but, yeah, I don't see the Carolina Panthers going anywhere, but I don't think there's any need to blow it up, so to speak. I'm on the exact opposite wavelength you are. Sell everything. The only players I'm keeping is my three guys I got on the offensive line. <laughs> In Austin Corbett, uh, Ikemaquanu, and some other mother I'm blanking on. Um, <laughs> that Perez? No, no. Um, let me look real quick so I can give him his props. Um, 
I would assume J.C. Horn's part of that to keep. Um, yeah, and on the defensive line, defensive side, you guys know I love Brian Burns. Sell him. The only one I'm keeping defensively is Brian, uh, is uh, J.C. Horn. I'm keeping my O-line, and I'm keeping J.C. Horn. Everyone else is up for sale. Want to know why? Here's my reason why. They only have four picks in next year's draft. You can't do... Bless you. Appreciate it. Um, see, it gets me all sneezy talking about them. Um, you can't you can't do anything with four picks moving forward. Sell. Bless you. <laughs> sell, sell everything. Keep your offensive line because you did a good job building that up this off season. Um, and keep J.C. Horn. You can get a first for Brian Burns. You can get multiple. You can get. At least a second off for CMC. DJ Moore, go. I am starting brand new. I'm starting fresh. Baker Mayfield, I never want to see your face again. Um, with all due respect, right? I love Baker, but never want to see your face again. Sam Darnold, I don't even I don't even want to see your face last year after the first four games. Um, and you're rolling with XFL star PJ Walker right now. Get rid of everything. Get rid of everything. You cannot compete right now. Why just hold out hope so I can get, ooh, seven wins? I think the only reason why I'd be a little bit hesitant to sell is because aside from Tampa, which we already saw at this past offseason that there was panic in Tampa when Brady unofficially retired, that, oh, my God, the NFC South is up for grabs because all these teams are either garbage or at 500. And I still think they're in the same spot because after this year, it looks pretty likely that Brady will retire. We can't guarantee that or anything, especially mm -hmm. if uh, some stuff outside of football does come to play. I'm not going to highlight it, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, with the Panthers, like the Saints are, unfortunately, Mike, they are a cluster fudge right now. You, t I can't even tell you to take that back because that's not a lie. They won a game this weekend because Taysom Hill was uh, a thing. Uh, <laughs> Taysom Hill was Taysom Hill. And that's going to well, be he worth wasn't then. Okay. But still, I think that obviously you should probably weigh the options. Like, I know they're entertaining an offer right now to the Bills for Christian McCaffrey. I think that should be at least entertained a little bit. I wouldn't mind selling one or two pieces. I would be more inclined to get rid of McCaffrey. And I think Burns, just because he's probably got a really good market, I think holding on to someone like DJ Moore might be smart just so that uh, the next quarterback that does come into Carolina, whether it's someone that you acquire in the draft or if it's another free agent exposition. Or if it's Matt Corral. Well, yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and hey, you got the Kellen Mond guy to say no, so. But regardless, I think I, I also got the Mason Rudolph guy to say no. And oh, right. we'll stop there, we'll stop there, we'll stop there. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, I think they should definitely entertain their offers, but I wouldn't go anywhere extreme. I think McCaffrey and Burns are definitely the most sellable pieces. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Chin and DJ Moore would probably be the next two things. 
uh, especially with Chin having an expiring contract, I believe, in 2024. But still, I would probably keep those two around if the offer doesn't really uh, reach the needs. But yeah, I, I think I'm a, a little bit in the middle between you guys. I think that they should uh, at least consider their options. And speaking of considering your options, we talked a little bit about uh, our coach of the year favorites last week. And I kind of want to entertain, we're looking to do our mid-season rewards around the midpoint in the season. That's right around week nine, but we're in week six. We can entertain at least one of the options. Why don't we do the main one? So we've talked a little bit about the MVP award when we were talking about Lamar Jackson a few years back, but we really haven't hammered in what we're thinking for MVPs thus far in the season. Now, it's been a couple weeks since we talked about this, but since Brett's smiling with such a delight, Brett, through five weeks, who do you think is the front runner for the MVP? Doggy, it's Jalen Hurts. It's all Jalen Hurts. Listen. I mean, he had seven rushing touchdowns now through five weeks, plus he's on pace for 15 passing touchdowns. This kid looked great through the first quarter of the season. I think he's honestly on pace to continue to play at this trend. Um, he's got the confidence. He's got the weapons. Um, and I just like how, how smooth he's playing just through the first quarter of the season. I understand he's not Lamar. He's not Josh Allen. He's not these top-tier quarterbacks that play that hero ball and at that next, like, exceptional level. But he's got the statistics to back it up um, so far through the season. So I'm riding with my preseason award prediction. I'm Jalen Hurts is my MVP. Still saying it. Michael? Uh, I mean, I know he missed the last two weeks, but I still think Jameis Winston – up until this point. Uh, oh my! <laughs> if we're rolling, if we're rolling with preseason predictions, because Jalen Hurts has four passing touchdowns on the year, four. Um, Baker Mayfield has more than that. Really quick, Mike. No, that's true. Doesn't he have like? I'm shooting off the gun here. I I would figure he's got like five or six rushing touchdowns. Yeah, six rushing. Yep. One shouldn't that be just equivalent of like? Oh, he's got 10 touchdowns on the season? Yeah. It's a, sc- no. a score is a score. No, that's fair. And I'm cherry-picking at this point. Um, okay. But my MVP, it has to be Mahomes. It has to be. I mean, I see Mahomes and Josh Allen neck and neck uh, for the MVP through five weeks. Um, and here's my reasoning for leaning Mahomes, right? They're both – up there, they're both top five in passing yards. They're both top three in QBR. Um, completion percentage are up there as well, and they both have 14 and 15 touchdowns, I believe, a piece. I think Mahomes has one higher. Um, and I lean Mahomes because he's in – he has a whole, all new offensive weapons, and people said, is it going to fall off? Is the Chiefs offense going to look any different? He didn't miss a beat. And he's still playing at the high level that he has been. I mean, granted, he still has Kelsey, who is a security blanket, but there he's one guy. Uh, they have all their other pieces, so it's it's going to be Mahomes for me. Yeah, I think there's a good 
validation for a bunch of players right now. I think that I think that the Lamar still has a decent case, even though that uh, he's had probably a couple of underwhelming weeks, even though he did have a very solid victory beating the Bengals this past Sunday. I think Jalen Hurts does have a very solid case. Obviously, the only five and out team that's got to be worth something. Mm-hmm. There's been conversations about Micah Parsons jumping into the conversation. I think that might be a little bit egregious there just because he's been leading that Dallas defense. But for me, I think it does come down to what Mike mentioned. I think it's Mahomes versus Josh Allen. They have both been the best two quarterbacks in the league this season. And I'm going to lean Josh Allen, not to be a contrarian, but I do think that I want to take into account the award. What is it actually called? The most valuable player. Mm -hmm. And while I would say that I think these two might be the two most valuable players in the league. I think that Josh Allen and what he's been doing with Buffalo, I think they, and it's been a conversation that I've like been talking myself and are they over-reliant on Josh Allen? That was the same thing I was thinking in my head when I was talking about Rodgers the past year, maybe two years. Are the Packers too over-reliant on Aaron Rodgers? And the fact that I'm thinking that, like, I think the pass rush for Buffalo has been very solid, but their defense is abolished with a bunch of injuries right now. So they're basically working on their offense, basically carrying them through games right now, along with the pass rush, which, again, has been solid. Where I think the Chiefs, I think their defense has improved. Their uh, pass defense has honestly been pretty rough to begin the season, but I think that Mahomes has gotten really good support. I think both both guys have absolutely no run game, no offense Clyde, uh, even though he has like a billion touchdowns, they're all kind of gimmick ones on the one-yard line. I think it's a very close competition, but I think just in the value that he presents to his team, I think, I think Josh Allen gets him just by a little bit because I think the Bills have been kind of over-reliant on Josh Allen, where I don't think the Chiefs have reached that level with Mahomes, if you get what I'm saying here. Yeah, and a point I would make for him, too, is he's their leading rusher, right, too. Like you mentioned, they have no run game. And Devin Singletary, so another rusher not named Josh Allen got their first rushing touchdown in Week 5 for Buffalo, um, which just shows how how valuable he is, um, not only passing the ball but also rushing. Um, Ed... I know you mentioned the other names like Hertz and Lamar still Um, at this point, the only two players I can make a case for are Allen and Mahomes. I don't really see anyone, you know, being able to beat out in an argument, what they're doing for their teams right now. And just to put like a cherry on top of this conversation here, just because we'll probably get into game of the week right after this. So, I do like a personal power rankings like after every week, just so I'm making sure I'm staying sharp, watching all the games and everything. My top four teams right now are not in this order, but I'll I'll put them in order right now, I guess. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Ravens. Notice how I mentioned the four teams with the quarterbacks that I just mentioned for the MVP race. Mm Got to be some correlation here where I think the quarterbacks, I know we talked about this a little bit last year about 
the NFL kind of turning into a quarterback's league. And you look at the AFC, and I think that's especially president. Do we think that's like becoming more of a thing in the NFL that it is truly becoming a quarterback's league? Or do we think that's something that's just been, I don't know, over-exaggerated just because we've got such great talent at the quarterback position, especially uh, youth-wise? I think the NFL's been um, definitely fortunate with a lot of the quarterback talent we've seen in recent years. And I honestly agree with that point. I think a lot of times when you talk about the talent level and the expectations for a team each year, the first thing that's always brought up is the quarterback. When you think of the Chiefs, first thing that comes to mind, Patrick Mahomes. The Bills, Josh Allen. Talk about the Eagles, Jalen Hurts. Talk about the Ravens, it's always Lamar. You never talk about, oh, uh, here's the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs this year. Their defense is their leading star. No, it's always the quarterback first. And I think it's become a league where that sheriff is going to be the thing that people are going to build around most. And I think it's going to be the highlight for every squad to base their system around. So I definitely, just going back briefly to your points, I see the case between – Allen Mahomes at this point in time. Um, and I honestly think that's the most realistic at this point. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I agree with what you said, Brett, on that. Um, the I think it's always been kind of a quarterback league, but just the talent, like you mentioned, of these quarterbacks – that have been coming in the past few, even five years, right? Um, I think uh, the rushing game added to the passing uh, puts a big, you know, thing on because Lamar isn't an MVP uh, without without the rushing numbers, right? Um, and just having that implemented into a quarterback's game is so huge where back even 15, 20 years ago wasn't, well, maybe a little further than that. Um, but it wasn't really a thing, um, a Russian quarterback when now it's kind of like, you know, can he, is he mobile? Can he run? Um, I think also what goes into it is the versatility of, and the evolution too, of, uh, the playbook and offensive play calling and how creative offensive minds are now compared to, you know, 20, 30 years ago in the game. Yeah, it's valid. It's- just something I wanted to throw out there. I think you guys covered it pretty well. And we can now kind of move on. We're out of our bulk session here. And we can move on to our games of the week where we pick our favorite games or games to look out for. Uh, circle on your TV guide uh, and sorts for this week. So I'll kick it over to Mike first with his game of the week here uh, in week six. My game of the week is uh, the biggest one, uh, 425 matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs, who we just mentioned there are two quarterbacks. Um, I believe it's being played at Arrowhead, and this is the first time in his career that Pat Mahomes is a home underdog, which is interesting. I'm not really sure what the uh, line is, but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a dog fight. Buffalo has a I think they're the second-ranked defense right now, and Kansas City is, I think, just outside top 10. Um, they There's a chance they could get Trent McDuffie back. 
uh, which would be huge going against Buffalo. Tredavious White returned to practice this week, but probably unlikely to play um, after he suffered a uh, ACL or Achilles. I forget which one it was um, last year. But And then offensively, these quarterbacks, like we just mentioned, uh, top two in MVP for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is going to be a great game. Um, you know what both these teams can do. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that one, huh? Quick follow-up for you, Mike. So it is a plus three. It's a field goal favorite for the Bills. Okay. Do you think that whoever wins this game takes a lead for you in the MVP race? Or does it not matter? I think that's kind of – I don't know. I think it all depends on, like, circumstances. Gotcha. Okay. You know, like, if, like, Buffalo, they have clearly the better defense. <clears throat> and if Buffalo wins, maybe Mahomes has more numbers, but Buffalo's defense got a big stop. That wouldn't really take me away from, you know, picking one over the other. So I all okay. just think it depends on the circumstances of the game. Valid. Okay. Brett, what is your game of the week for this week? Uh, for me, it is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, a big um, NFC East divisional matchup uh, this week. And I think this is honestly Philly's biggest test of the season so far and their biggest opposition to ruin their undefeated season right now. Uh, we talked about it earlier, the, the level of play that the Cowboys are playing at right now um, shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, and I think this is going to – honestly test um, Jalen Hurts' ability to lead his team um, to victory. Obviously, that pass rush for Dallas is something not to mess with. Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons both balled out last week against the Rams and put some serious trouble on Matt Stafford. Um, So it's going to be an exciting one to watch. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, run-heavy offense between both sides, Um, and it's going to come down to which leadership uh, can lead for the longest period of time. So. Uh, I'm excited for it. All right. So for my game of the week, you guys took the obvious choices here. So I'm getting a little creative here. Obviously, maybe not the best matchup, but the one I want to watch the most. It's the Jets versus the Packers. Now, this game is in Arrowhead. Arrowhead? (laughs) Oh, what am I saying, dude? (laughs) Huge. First he says Hootay, now he's saying Arrowhead. <laughs> it's it's the host curse, I guess. I'm sounding like Brett over here. My God, she's um, right. <laughs> oh oh. Um. So yeah, it is it is in Lambeau. The Jets are going to Green Bay, and this is a matchup of hero versus, uh, I guess sidekick, because Zach Wilson has gone on record multiple times saying that. Aaron Rodgers is his idol. He is kind of the player that he's modeled his game after, and he really looks up to Aaron as a player. So this is kind of the student versus the master here, seeing if Zach Wilson can take down Aaron Rodgers. And the way that the Packers have been playing, I would be surprised. I think that the secondary for the Jets have really been balling out as of recently, and I think that uh, unless Green Bay is able to establish the run early, I think the Jets might be able to do it even better with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. So I think this will be a very interesting game to check out. 
It's in the one o'clock slot, I believe. So you can check that out pretty early. And yeah, I think it'll be pretty interesting to check out. You know what's a crazy uh, thing real quick? Correlation between mine and your game of the week? What's that? If uh, the Jets beat the Packers, right? If So if the Jets win and the Chiefs win, the Jets could be first in the AFC East. It's true. Not could. They will be. And the New York fans will let you know. But with that, we will move on to our final segment here. And it is, of course, what we all look forward to, our stand session of the week. Those guys that have balled out in week five or maybe done really well if you're talking about a defensive coordinator or something <laughs> like that. Brett, but it is out me like that. We will move on and we will turn over. You know what? As a show of good faith, we will turn over to Brett first for his first stand of the week. I wonder how this will go. <laughs> well, I'm going defense, but it's not a coordinator, uh, despite your high hopes. Um, Hallelujah. I'm a Jack Jones stan um, this week. Big pick against Jared Goff and the Lions, but I think this game proved to me once again how much of a high level that Jack Jones is playing at. This season, he's top three in coverage grading um, in PFF, and he's honestly putting up extremely high numbers compared to um, the likes of uh, Patrick Sertan this year. Um, yeah, I, I think straightforward. I think Jack Jones is going to be considered going forward as one of the league's premier cornerbacks um, in this system in New England. And I think this game, especially with the interception later on, uh, proved to me that he can play at this talent level consistently. Beautiful pick, too. Hell yeah. All right, Michael, your first stand of the week. Don't you dare say it. Who? Just say it. I'm scared. Um, My uh, first stand of this week is Deami Brown. Hey, I like that pick. Oh, that's interesting. A long time coming, coming for this, Muggsy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I... I've been, you know, I've loved Diami, um, and the Aziz Disease were my two two guys. Um, <laughs> if you tuned in last season, but Diami Brown, his first game ever in the NFL, over a hundred receiving yards, two touchdowns. How many touchdowns did he have last year? Zero. We're taking big strides here in uh, the Commanders' offense. You know, sad to see how that game ended, because um, right. After I saw him catch that second touchdown, I said, that's my stand for the week. Um, let's hope they can pull this one out. And they didn't. But, you know, uh, we still got to show love because um, not to be, you know, a Debbie Downer or disrespectful, but I don't know if we'll I'll ever have a chance to choose him again. So we're going to have to <laughs> we're going to have to pick him. And I hope I'm wrong when I say that. I hope this is the emergence of um, hashtag DME season. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll see how that goes. And with that, he even had a better game than uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who he was drafted before. But we'll pause on that. Uh, we'll go to my first stand here. And I talked about him a few times already, but might as well talk about him more. I'm a Brees Hall stand. Mm. And why am I a Brees Hall stand? Because 
this dude is not only carrying the Jets to victories, but he's also carrying my fantasy teams to victories. But we'll ignore that. Uh, Brees Hall this past weekend, a phenomenal game, uh, 97 yards on the ground. But you mainly want to focus on his 100 uh, receiving yards in the past game. Had a huge 70-yard uh, catch uh, to break the game open in the second second quarter. Excuse me. Almost got in for a touchdown there. Uh, did end up getting a touchdown at the uh, almost the end of the game in the fourth quarter to pretty much put the game on ice even further for the Jets. Almost had a three touchdown game, which was phenomenal. His uh, usage has been increasing the previous few weeks over Michael Carter. No offense, Michael, but mm, this had to be done. And uh, yeah, he's been getting really good looks from uh, Zach Wilson since he's taken over the offense. So I have a lot of confidence in this guy. He was the number one running back in this class for a reason. Does he have the ceiling of a Jonathan Taylor? Maybe I'll pause on that. But I do think that Brees Hall does present a really high upside for the uh, running backs in this class and is doing a phenomenal job for the Jets. So Brees Hall is my first stand of the week. Brett, we'll go over to you next for your second stand. All right, we're jumping back over across the land to offense. I'm a Raheem Mostert stan. Um, the quote, Mike, <laughs> okay. despite the Dolphins playing, quote, Mike, ugly as ruffles, um, Raheem Mostert. That's not the right use of that word. Well, we're going to go with it. Um, okay. Raheem Mostert, over 120 scrimmage yards of offense for this man. Um and I think this goes to show that he's still got a lot left in the tank. Obviously, the first few weeks has been dominated by Chase Edmonds um, in the backfield, especially with Tua. Um, but Mostert's definitely stepped up in the last two and sort of proven that his name deserves to be in the mix as well in this run game for Mike McDaniel. Um, I think he's probably the main reason this offense stayed prevalent for the Dolphins through this mess of a game, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, I'm a Raheem Mostert stan. You know, I really, really wanted to uh, pick Geno Smith, but I'm not going to. Um, he got the loss, and I can't pick two losers uh, in one week. Um, but shout out Geno. Geno is the face of the franchise for that Seahawks team. He is incredible um my second stand plus i got to show love for a defensive guy it's matthew judon um he balled out against the number one ranked offense as brett wiping the coke off his nose like matt judon does oh, right. <laughs> don't worry we're talking about coca-cola uh, right, 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 right 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 the beverage beverage um we'll continue uh, we'll pause on that one, right? So, two two sacks. Um, uh, the the strip sack also uh, leading to the Kyle Duggar return for the touchdown. He is tied. I think it's a four-way tie right now uh, for Lee leading sacks at six. It's him, Nick Bosa, Michael Parsons, and Max Crosby, I believe. Uh, so, shout out to those guys. Um, but Matthew Judon, he started off last year hot. Then he kind of fizzled out. If he can keep on this pace for the Patriots defense this whole year. Um, like Brett mentioned with the emergence of Jack Jones. I mean, yeah, they're, they're looking impressive. Uh, yeah. Shout out Judon and shout out Gino Smith. I love you, Gino. I love you too, Gino. 
Despite contrary belief in the preseason. It's not contrary belief. That's your third favorite team. You're going to show them love. (laughs) Hey, that's how... You wouldn't believe anyone if they told you that Geno Smith would be um, your best quarterback out of your three favorite teams. This muggy is first place in passing yards, first place in passer rating, and he's top three, I believe, in touchdowns thrown so far. He is he is definitely not leading the league in passing yards. Let's take a peek. He's like top ten. He might be top ten. Top ten and top one is a very different thing. Um, shout out also like neither of you mentioned Taysom Hill. Uh, I thought that would definitely would have been a Brett stand, but I thought it would have been a Blake stand. Why? Because he's the Saints. That's your team. D- Taysom Hill, dog. He tried to take my. He tried to take famous Jameis spot last year. What's the problem with that? Famous Jameis is MVP. Well, we'll pause on all that and we'll talk about actually a an actual stand. Ignore Taysom here. I am a Dorrance Armstrong Jr. stand Ooh. for the Dallas Cowboys. And you might be asking Dorrance Armstrong, what about Micah Parsons and all those guys on defense? Well. I gave some love to Demarcus Lawrence a couple weeks back. I'm going to give some love to uh, Dorrance Armstrong now because he had a phenomenal t- start to the game. If you <coughs> do not remember, excuse me, Brett, um, <laughs> just viewed up when you're coughing, dude. Uh, <laughs> in this game, literally just in the first quarter, he had a strip sack. He had a block punt. And he assisted the Cowboys in putting up a touchdown. Now, I know the Rams O-line has been getting exposed, but Dorrance Armstrong decided to expose them even, even further by not only exposing their O-line, but exposing their special teams as well. So shout out to the Rams punter. So Dorrance Armstrong kind of backing up both Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. A phenomenal start to the game. He had a very solid uh, game overall. But just for uh, being a key component in that first touchdown there for the Cowboys, uh, putting them in field goal position on that second score, uh, blocking the punt, pretty much put them out in front, and they didn't really look back even with that Cooper Cup touchdown. So shout out to Dorrance Armstrong, and he is my second stand of the week. Uh, Armstrong is going to be like this year's version of Randy Gregory for that team. The whole yeah. offense, the whole offense is a game game planning for Michael Parsons and now Tank. Um, pretty sure Tank Lawrence he missed a ton of games last season. Um, and Randy Gregory had that big year for himself. This is this is you Dorrance. This is all you Dorrance. Um, so yeah, that defense, that defense is impressive. Dallas, shout out them. Brett, Brett, you don't have any. I think um. Before we end this, I just want to, you know, just talk about something real quick. Address the elephant in the room. Um, I don't think Brett has chosen a kicker yet. We're five weeks uh, in, so I'm getting uh, a little concerned. Um, not only that, you only named one coach. Yep. He was going to name Brian Dable. <laughs> he was. <laughs> that was in discussions, but. It was he was actually in my stands last week, and I ended up changing it. So, see, this is this is um, this is what we don't like to see. I think that our 
reactions to you choosing kickers has led to you not choosing kickers now. I don't want to say that. I would say that. that. The hesitancy in your answer makes me believe that. Well, let's just say Daniel Carlson hasn't had a game-winning kick yet. And when he well, does, you know there are 31 other kickers in the league, Brett. Brett, that's one kicker. He's the best kicker just... in the league. Behind who, dog? Last time I checked, Justin Tucker did still have a pulse. Um, did you so... did you see his post game interview? <laughs> yeah, Justin Tucker? Yes, we did. He said he's a system kicker. <laughs> What, what does that mean? He's just a weird dude. Speaking of weird dudes, we are ending it here on the three and out pod. Uh, make sure to check us. We got one right down here. Okay. On the screen. Well, um, make sure to like and subscribe. Why are you pointing at me? Uh, that's me on my screen. And there you go. Well, uh, that's me on my screen. Make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and check us out for more. We do. Uh, weekly episodes here on the three and out pod just out on social media as well three and out pod one and for mike chiquetti and brett shavs i have been ben pope and take care brush your hair nope maybe don't brush your hair you've been saying brush your hair this whole time you haven't known that we're ending it (laughs) what have you thought i've said I hear Brett your hair. <laughs> Take care, Brett your hair. Brush your hair. Brett, Brett your hair, bro. That's crazy. Brett your hair. <laughs>